For many, Hollywood is the ultimate destination. Thousands of people aspire to see their name in lights, to work alongside the most gifted icons of show business, and to finally be recognized worldwide for their hard work and talent. But under the glitz and glamour lies a mountain of dark, well-kept secrets, many of which are only today coming to light. In today's episode, we'll be exploring two cases of actors who vanished without a trace. Tammy Lynn Liepert. Born February 5th of 1965 in Rock Ledge, Florida, Tammy Lynn Liepert had stardom in her blood. It was all she ever dreamed about, and she wasn't shy about it. Growing up with a modeling agent for a mother, Tammy was entered into beauty pageants from the age of four. Of the 300 contests she entered, she took home 280 crowns. Well known for her beauty, Tammy modeled throughout her childhood and her teen years. It wasn't long before she began looking for her big break in the film industry. In 1983, she had a minor role in the raunchy teen comedy Spring Break. Additionally, her legs, hips, and torso were used for the movie poster. In March of that same year, she was offered another minor role, this time in the hit movie Scarface. She intended on going to Hollywood later that year. By all accounts, Tammy had the beginnings of a promising career and was seen as a young woman who would go far in the industry. But that was all cut short in the summer of 1983. After filming Spring Break, Tammy went to a weekend party alone. According to her friends and family, she returned a different person. She reportedly told her loved ones that she'd seen something she shouldn't have. This trip away from home is what began a downward spiral as the teenager became reclusive until she was offered the Scarface role. While on set for this job, Tammy reportedly had some sort of breakdown. While witnessing a scene being filmed, which involved a man being shot and artificial blood spurting from his wound, she began crying hysterically. She was collected by a family friend and subsequently returned home, quitting the film. On June 1st of 1983, Tammy's state of mind intensified and she began acting erratically. She began screaming and broke the window of her house with a baseball bat, accusing one of her housemates, a friend who lived with Tammy and her mother, of locking her out. She later accused her family of trying to poison her. Her mother, Linda Curtis, took her to a medical center where Tammy spent 72 hours under observation. After being examined both by doctors and psychiatrists, the 18-year-old was ultimately released. Testing showed no signs of drug or alcohol use. Linda decided it would be best for her daughter to speak with a therapist, but Tammy vanished before this ever occurred. Tammy was last seen on July 6th of 1983, 
wearing a blue denim shirt with flowers on it and a matching skirt, she left her home in Rockledge at around 11 a.m., saying that she would be back shortly as she was going to the beach. She met a friend, 20-year-old Keith Roberts, and the pair began to drive. However, according to Roberts, they soon after entered into an argument, during which Tammy demanded to be let out of the car. Roberts told the authorities that he'd dropped her off in a parking lot outside of Glass Bank, near a gas station in the vicinity of State Road A1A, between 2nd Street and 3rd Street in Cocoa Beach, Florida. Some sources have stated that the pair argued because Tammy wanted to be taken elsewhere, but it is unclear if this is true. Regardless, Tammy was never seen again. Linda Curtis has been very vocal over the course of the investigation into her daughter's vanishing. She told the authorities and the media that Tammy had spoken to her prior and she feared for her life and believed that someone was trying to kill her. She even alleged that Tammy was scared of Keith Roberts, the same man who was the last one to see the 18-year-old alive. She also accused the police of mishandling the case and noted they did very little to investigate Roberts. Reportedly, Roberts missed two formal interviews that the police had scheduled with him, although he has apparently denied these allegations and claims he was never asked to come in and be questioned. Authorities have argued that Roberts was not a viable suspect in Tammy's case, although they have never said why. Linda also publicly theorized that her daughter was killed because of her knowledge of local drug trafficking. She said Tammy exhibited signs of paranoia, including being cautious when consuming food and refusing to drink from open containers. The drug and money laundering scheme that Linda referenced allegedly involved some prominent citizens, which led to Tammy being afraid for her life. However, this theory has never been substantiated. Linda claimed that she filed a report about what she knew, but the authorities stated that no such report had ever been filed. According to Linda, she had set up a meeting between her daughter and the sheriff, but Tammy did not tell him that she felt she was in danger. Although Roberts was never considered a suspect in Tammy's disappearance by authorities, several other men were. Notable serial murderer Christopher Bernard Wilder, also known as the Beauty Queen Killer, was thought to, at one point, have been involved with the teenager's vanishing. The FBI linked Wilder with 12 killings in California and Florida, where he would lure his victims in by pretending to be a photographer who could connect them with lucrative modeling contracts. Linda Curtis filed a claim for more than $1 million against Wilder's estate, but he was never officially linked to Tammy's vanishing, and ultimately, Linda dropped the case. She, along with other members of the family, began to doubt he was involved. Another person of interest in the case was convicted kidnapper and rapist John Crutchley, who is suspected of taking the lives of as many as 30 women. Crutchley took his own life in 2002. According to a Florida newspaper article from 1985, authorities received two phone calls from a woman claiming that Tammy was still alive. In the first call, the woman said that Tammy was well and she would make contact when she was ready. The second call consisted of the woman explaining that the teenager was now doing what she'd always wanted to do, going to school to become a nurse. 
as there is very little information about these anonymous phone calls. It's unclear if they were ever determined to be a hoax or not. Many online sleuths have suggested the idea that Tammy's body has been found, but simply not yet identified. There are many Jane Doe exclusions listed in the 18-year-old's case. The following unidentified women have been ruled out as being Tammy. The Harris County Jane Doe, the Pinal County Jane Doe, the Knox County Jane Doe, the Fairfax County Jane Doe, the Waller County Jane Doe, Stafford County Jane Doe, and the Newport News Jane Doe. As far as theories go, there are a number of possibilities and suggestions that have been put forward by online sleuths. Many armchair detectives believe that Keith Roberts did have something to do with the vanishing, since he was the last one to see her alive, and then subsequently missed all his scheduled interviews with law enforcement. Others have stated their belief that Tammy was suffering from undiagnosed schizophrenia, and that she was perhaps taken by an opportunistic killer in her vulnerable state, after being abandoned at the parking lot. The other theories in Tammy's case involve her taking her own life, running away to start over, or being murdered by the drug launderers that she was so afraid of. It's also been speculated that her disappearance had something to do with whatever she had witnessed at the party, following the completion of the filming of Spring Break. Tammy's sister, Suzanne, has publicly suggested that the case is linked with that of another young woman who went missing from Cocoa Beach in June of 1983, just one month before Tammy. Nancy K. Brown was originally from Illinois, and her remains turned up in March of 1984. Her murder is still unsolved. A more recent theory that has been discussed online is that a former actor named Paul Land, who featured in Spring Break, was involved in The Vanishing. An anonymous blog poster alleged that Land killed Tammy and dumped her body in a swamp. The writer claimed that the pair met on the set of Spring Break and alleged that Land sold drugs on film sets. It was how he made most of his money, apparently. Land left acting in the 90s to set up his own construction business in New Jersey. He died in December of 2007, aged 51. These allegations have never been proven. There is some speculation that Tammy was three months pregnant at the time of her disappearance. The anonymous writer who posted the original allegations against Paul Land also claimed that she was pregnant with his child. While this information is featured on her Doe Network page, it is unclear where this rumor began. While Tammy's case was featured on Unsolved Mysteries in 1992, it led to no new successful leads. Her dental records have been lost in the decades since her mysterious vanishing, and if she is still alive, Tammy would be 56 years old. Following the disappearance, her mother Linda moved to Orlando. She passed away in 1995 without answers. Tammy's sister continues to search. If you have any information on the disappearance of Tammy Lynn Leapert, please contact the Cocoa Beach Police Department at 321-868-3251. Jean Spangler, born on September 2nd of 1923 
in Seattle, Washington, Jean Elizabeth Spangler was a young woman with Hollywood in her sights. She was a model, dancer, and actress who began her career in 1948. But much like Tammy Leapert, Jean's career was stifled before it truly began. On Friday, October 7th of 1949, at around 5 p.m., Jean kissed her five-year-old daughter Christine goodbye and left her Los Angeles home, which she and her daughter shared with her brother Edward, her sister-in-law Sophie, and her mother, Florence. While Florence was out of town, Sophie cared for Christine while Jean worked. On this particular night, Jean told her sister-in-law that she was going to meet her ex-husband to discuss either a late child support payment or an increase in child support payments. Afterwards, she was going to a movie shoot. Jean and her ex-husband, Dexter Benner, had a tumultuous relationship. The pair married in 1942, but Jean attempted to file for divorce six months later. However, the couple remained married and had a turbulent on-again, off-again relationship. In 1944, Jean gave birth to Christine, and in 1946, they went through with their divorce. What ensued afterwards, however, was a bitter custody battle. Ultimately, Jean was granted full custody of their daughter. Two hours later, after Jean left the house that October night, she called Sophie to let her know she'd be pulling an eight-hour shift and wouldn't be home until morning. She checked on Christine and then hung up. The following day, however, the 26-year-old did not return home. Worried, Sophie contacted the LAPD, who thought that Jean would likely return home in a few days. However, she never would. On October 9th, Jean's handbag was found near the Fern Dell entrance of Griffith Park in Los Angeles, about five miles from her home. Both straps on one side of the bag had been torn, as if there had been a struggle, and the bag ripped from her arm. Whilst 60 officers and over 100 volunteers searched the park for further clues, it appeared there were none. Meanwhile, the LAPD checked in with the local movie studios and discovered that not one of them had a record of Jean working on the night of October 7th. She had not been due to have work that evening, leaving investigators with the question, where had she gone and why had she lied about it? A saleswoman at Farmer's Market, a local grocery store just a few blocks from the Spangler residence, came forward telling authorities that she'd seen Jean hanging around inside the store at 6 p.m. The witness said that she appeared to be waiting for someone. This is the last known sighting of the 26-year-old woman. Detectives also spoke with Dexter Benner, who told them that he hadn't seen Jean in weeks. His new wife backed up his alibi for that night. There was no money in Jean's handbag, which was recovered from the park. Sophie said she hadn't taken money with her that night, and so robbery was ruled out as a motive. The most interesting clue found in Jean's bag was a handwritten note addressed to somebody called Kirk. The note read, Kirk, can't wait any longer. Going to see Dr. Scott. It will work best this way while mother is away. Interestingly, the note had been closed with a comma and left unsigned, as if it were unfinished. 
neither Kirk or Dr. Scott were ever located. Friends and family of Jean's were unfamiliar with the names, although her mother Florence told the police that the 26-year-old had been picked up by a Kirk twice, but he never entered the house, preferring to stay in the car. She also knew nothing more about him. As for a Dr. Scott, authorities questioned every doctor in LA with that surname, but none of them had a patient with the surname Spangler or Benner. While Jean once had been involved with an abusive man named Scotty, her lawyer said she had not seen him since 1945. The man was reportedly a member of the military and had beaten the mother of one when she tried to end things, even threatening her life. It is unclear if authorities ever spoke with him, ruled him out, or considered him a suspect in any way. In recent years, it's been speculated that Dr. Scott was simply an alias. Across the week following Jean's vanishing, Griffith Park was searched by over 200 volunteers and police officers. During the hunt, one volunteer dog dug up a Denim LA County Jail uniform that had been buried in a shallow grave, but no trace of the 26-year-old was found. Things took a turn, however, when Kirk Douglas, the superstar actor who was a 33-year-old up-and-comer at the time, contacted authorities. He had seen the note found in Jean's handbag in the newspapers and had called to let them know he was not involved, an action which many today see as strange, as Kirk Douglas was never considered a suspect at any point. In fact, the authorities seemed unaware that he had been filming on the same set as Jean for the movie Young Man with a Horn. Douglas told police that he did not know Jean, nor had he spoken to her, but he changed his story later when he spoke with the lead investigator, admitting that he talked and kidded with her a bit on set, but that he hadn't spent time with her outside of film production. On October 12th, Douglas publicly stated a similar sentiment. The questions began to mount as police dug deeper into Jean's personal life. Upon speaking further with her friends, it was revealed that the 26-year-old was three months pregnant and she had talked about getting an abortion. According to witnesses who frequented the same nightlife spots as Jean, a former medical student named Doc was known to perform illegal abortions for a fee. However, authorities were never able to locate Doc nor were they able to prove he even existed. The botched abortion theory was investigated by the LAPD, but appears to have gone nowhere. Another friend of Jean's told investigators that she'd recently admitted she was seeing somebody, but that it wasn't serious. However, she had never revealed the man's identity. Another theory investigated by authorities was that Jean had connections with local gangsters. Before she began acting, the 26-year-old had worked as a dancer at a club that allegedly, quote, put her in the orbits of various gangsters. Jean had reportedly been seen in both Palm Springs and Las Vegas with a man named Davey Ogle, who was an associate of the notorious criminal Mickey Cohen. Ogle went missing two days after Jean did on October 9th. Authorities wondered if the pair had fled to avoid prosecution as Ogle was under indictment for conspiracy. In 1950, 
One of Jean's sisters testified that neither herself nor Jean associated with Cohen, Ogle, or any other gangsters. That same year, a customs agent saw a woman resembling Jean in El Paso, Texas. She was at a hotel with a man who looked like Ogle. A hotel clerk identified Jean from a photograph, but neither of their names appeared on the register, and this lead ultimately led nowhere. Despite a nationwide search, no traces of Jean were ever found. In the years following her vanishing, sightings of the 26-year-old were reported across California, Arizona, and Mexico City, but none could be validated. After the disappearance, Florence and Dexter Benner engaged in another bitter custody battle. Benner denied Florence visitation rights to her granddaughter and went on to defy a court order that would allow his former mother-in-law to visit Christine. He was ordered to spend 15 days in jail for contempt of court, but instead he fled out of state with his daughter. He eventually settled in Florida. Around the same time, Benner tried to have Christine legally adopted by his new wife on the grounds of abandonment, but the courts blocked this attempt. There are several different theories in Jean's case, many of which are unsubstantiated. Some believe she was taken out by the mob, while others believe that Kirk Douglas was involved. A large part of this is because of the rumors surrounding Douglas and the way he treated women but also because of how odd it was that he had contacted authorities in the days following Jean's disappearance. Many online sleuths believe that she was a victim of a botched abortion. It is also possible that Dexter Benner could have been involved, given the turbulent history he shared with his ex-wife and the drawn-out custody battles over Christine. Although Jean's case is still open, It isn't very active, and reportedly the evidence in her case has been destroyed due to the passage of time. Authorities believe that the mother of one met with foul play, although as the case grows colder and colder, it appears less likely that we will ever discover the true fate of Jean Spangler. And there you have the facts. Please leave a comment down below with your own theories and speculations, and remember to like this video and subscribe to support the channel. Thank you for watching. Stay alert, stay safe, and I'll see you next time.